0: goes to show like technology is is hard even for us right we've been doing this for a long time and yes. this morning we're running into our own sets of issues i mean i, I thought that was really interesting i'm not going to share what just happened because
1: that's like no you can share you can share it, can share it. <laughs> let's let's talk about how um technically incompetent i am for a moment yeah um, and
0: it, it it's just it goes to show this exact thing here is that it doesn't matter how long you've been doing this we still goof up things still happen i thought it was you know i'm over here okay so first of all that's on me. I'm over here trying to record with a different uh like provider this morning, right? A different service issues there. And then we switch back over to Zoom. Here we are. Yeah. And we're like, can you hear me? You know,
1: that whole thing. And and I'm wearing the wrong headphones. So for everybody that's listening, we moved over to a new provider. We didn't test it ahead of time. Kind of like, we'll do it live. That's okay. Yeah. It happens. And um, it turns out that I don't have any of the uh, technical capabilities to use that platform at the moment. So I tried to download the app on my phone thinking I would be able to do it on my phone. But for some reason I couldn't paste the link in, but I still had my headphones in on the phone because that's what we were going to record. And then you sent the zoom link and I clicked the zoom link. I opened up zoom. I did not change from my phone to my computer's headphones. And so I'm sitting here like, why can't Ram hear me even though. The reason is pretty obvious is that I'm wearing the wrong headphones.
0: Yeah. You know, it's like, sometimes. it's like testing in production, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I was, I thought this, you know, this, this, this happens all the time. I, I know sometimes I'll be teaching um, something that we kind of started back again with Cogen. I'll be teaching. And then you're like, why doesn't this work? I just tested this like two days ago. Yeah. And um, I, I always tell people, I said, JavaScript And not only JavaScript, but JavaScript will make you look like a fool (laughs) at the most inopportune time. You're like, oh, this should work. And then all of a sudden it's like, it doesn't work. I remember that happening to me quite a bit. Yeah. Um, You do like a live demo and all of a sudden it's, everything blows up and you're like, I swear this works. (laughs) In any other situation, this works, but it's just because we're live, the demo flag is on or something and uh, uh, making me look like a
1: fool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that happened to me even just when the last gym session. Is that last weekend? It was last Uh, weekend, yeah. yeah, When we were doing Express, there were some things that like I had done like two days before. And uh, then when I tried to do it in the demo session, like it's like not working all of a sudden. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I don't know why that's working. And at that point, like you kind of have two choices, right? Like I think I prefer to just say like, well, that's not working. Let's move on. But like, I remember in the past, like if it didn't work, like you'd spend all this time, like, mm-hmm. like or I would, I would spend all this time, like, trying to get it to work to show them, like, oh, it used to work. And I'm like, ah, oh, I mean, I think it's kind of what you were saying, like, but like just knowing that JavaScript's going to make you look like a fool sometimes, <laughs> like, yeah. like oh, whatever, it's not working. That's fine. Yeah, uh,
0: it's and it's also wasted a lot of time for me too. I was, um, uh, it reminded me there was a one of the comments, one of the guys in our Discord uh, server was. Like, hey, his IntelliJ is like things aren't loading or something. And sometimes all you've got to do is like turn it on and off again, right? That kind yeah. of thing, or turn it off and on again. Like sometimes that is the solution. So right. I'll reboot my machine, clear all my cache. You know, you know. Sometimes you, these sessions are stale, and um, but but there is something that that uh like we've seen this uh in the Discord server. Like uh, one of the common things is we're talking about like interviews, mm-hmm. um. of going to repeat something here we know that the market is super rough and and then uh one of the things that always irks me is we know that the market is terrible Mm -hmm. and then people put all this effort into their resumes and all this stuff and then they get to the interview and they haven't done any prep work right for the interview and i'm thinking to myself like you put all this work in because it uh so first of all looking for a job is hard it's a full-time job and then some You're like yeah. redoing your resume. Sometimes you're tailoring your resume many times over for a specific job. And then for that job. So, cause you don't want it to be too bland. You want it to be kind of specific. Uh, sometimes they'll ask for cover letters. I don't really like them, but sometimes I'll do them because, you know, somebody might read them, right. And I'm trying to appeal to them. So lots of work goes into this. Yeah. And then, you know, somebody gets an interview and it's like, all right, awesome. What work have you done to prepare for this? And it's like little to none. Yeah. And that's, extremely frustrating. So I wanted to talk with a little bit of time that we had I, again technical difficulties up front limit the time that we actually have. But I think we can do this. Um and then we can always come back to it later. But interview tips. So I'll start with you Randy because I know I have a couple that are really important to me and have worked for me over yeah. and over and over again, right? But let's just say that you were interviewing today, right? Hypothetically, we know you're not interviewing today, but let's say that you were, you know, what are some of the tips that you would you would give?
1: Yeah, I think I think before I go into an interview, um, one of the things that I do, and it kind of is a part of that whole resume process is I try to decide like, what's my, what's my like three second or 30 second, like elevator pitch. What is it that I'm trying to bring to an organization in my next role? Like, what is the value proposition that I want to sell? And, and then why that's so important to me is that I'll capture that right at the start. And then I'll do a bunch of interviews where I won't get past the first interview because I'm sort of refining that 30 second pitch. This is not unlike marketing, right? Or go to market is you've got to find your market fit. So you you refine your pitch, and or I refine my pitch, and um, basically I'm trying to find out like what is the, the the value proposition that sticks in the market right now, and that I can that I feel like I can set clear expectations around and uh, accomplish. And, provide that value, So I do that. And then as I go into each interview, I sort of just sit down and say like, okay, how is that value proposition represented in this interview? Like, what is it that I'm trying to communicate to them? And honestly, then this is, this is where it kind of gets a bit like, uh, I'll say sop. but once I know what I want to say, all I'm really looking for in the interview is no matter what question they're asking, I'm asking, how can I tie that back to what I want to say? Uh, like, how can I take the question that they ask and communicate the value proposition that I want to communicate in a way that it, that it answers their question by saying, like, here's the value that I provide. So if I come in and they ask me something like, you know, can you tell me about a time when you had to balance product and technical needs? That's a common question that gets asked in, in an interview. And like, my proposition is that I want to solve user or solve problems for customers, right? And so then I'll talk about, like, the way that I focus technology on delivering value to customers as a primary initiative, and as a as a sort of secondary or, or sort of tangential or isomorphic part of that is delivering technology with quality so that we can continue to iterate. Um, or whatever. I don't know. I'm kind of making this up right now on the spot. But like that's the real corporate. Like that's the. That, I mean, no, that's. But once you know your value proposition, that's really what it's all about to me. It's like, okay, I know what my value proposition is. They have a question that they're asking me, and like, I'm gonna answer that question. Kind of, but more important than answering their question is communicating my value, um, because I want them to know that that's the thing I'm bringing to the table. And that way we both are kind of clear eyed about like what I do in an organization. And if that's a good fit for the organization, then I'm a good fit. And if it's not, I'm not. And like, that's the other thing that I think like when you talk about tips is like, I don't, I, I've sort of learned to not sweat rejection. Um, like if they're like, oh, we're not going to move forward or we're going to go in a different direction, especially because I've allowed myself to kind of set these boundaries around like I'm coming and telling you what I do in an organization, not you telling me what you want me to do. So if they don't want me to do that thing, like okay, cool, like I'm not sad about that. We both we both had an opportunity to say like, do we need this thing? And they said no, and that's okay. Like that's not a rejection to me. That's like saying like we don't we don't need that value in our organization right now. So I think those are the two the two big ones um, is to really understand my value proposition and how I can communicate that like every step of the way resume, you know, uh, the sort of the phone screen, the technical interview. And even like the, like I usually have to like at this point, like you have to do like these leadership panels, which are like panel discussions with the executive leadership team or whatever. And um, how do I communicate that value? Like it's been a while since I've interviewed, Um, but at my, my last interviewing round, which was in February or so of last year, the thing that I decided that I really wanted to communicate is that I like scale organizations by building trust, not technology, but trust, I build things that systems that engineers can trust. I build trust networks on like in communication and that's how we scale the organization. And so that was like the the core driver I really I talked to. I talked about how I build trust in an organization, how I build trust in an organization. Nobody was asking me about trust. Nobody asked like, how do you build trust in an organization? And that's important to understand. It's that like, nobody's going to like softball you the question you wanna answer. You you kinda, have to ask you questions like, How do you balance product and technical needs and i talk about how i build strong communication between product and technology and iterate on a solution to ensure that we all trust that we're going to reach the destination with not only the right solution but the right implementation and and that's like and that we're just talking about trust and so i think a lot about that and then the other one is like if somebody's like oh well you know we trust each other pretty good we don't need somebody to come in and build trust in our systems and in our people then they may pass on me because and that's okay. I think there's um <clears throat> there's a couple key things that I can pull out of
0: what you uh just mentioned. And and first is that uh first of all, like if you were interviewing today, you'd be interviewing for like director level positions or like a C suite position, maybe like a CTO. Like ideally, I think that's that's where you are, not necessarily where you're going, but that's where you are. I mean, especially with the stuff that we've done. Um, and potentially a CEO, right? Um and and so if anybody's listening to this, you might be saying, man, well, well, Randy's at a different level than me. And so it's different. And I'd say that that's not really true because right. you can still go in, even if you're a, you know, entry level engineer, you can still go in and say, okay, what's my value proposition? Because that's ultimately what you're doing is whether you like it or not, I'm going to come, I, I wrote a LinkedIn post on this not too long ago. Hey, and, and it ties back to a previous podcast episode, which is you have to understand the game you're playing. Yeah. And and goes back to like what's something that Simon Sinek always talks about is you have to understand the game you're playing, whether you like it or not. This is a game or <laughs> the game of life, the game of uh, having a career, right? You have to play the game, unfortunately, or you go start your own company. Like that's really the truth of it. If you don't like playing the game, you got to go start your own company. But if you're not able to go start your own company, guess what? You got to understand the game that we're all playing and then you got to learn to play it because the people that play it really well are the ones that get multiple interviews and they get multiple offers um, and they're very successful in this uh, phase, right? Which is interviewing the pre-job step um, and then they're successful in the, in the job. But what I'm coming back to is you talked about like your elevator pitch, right? The value proposition, the, the value that you're going to bring to this company. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of things there is one is that No matter what level you're at, you can do the exact same thing. So even if you're an entry-level career, entry-level developer, engineer, product manager, designer, there's something that you want to bring to this company. Otherwise, what are you interviewing for, right? Right. The, The company itself is looking for somebody to bring at minimum or kind of at minimum, this set of skills. I need somebody to do X, Y, and Z. But you can come in ahead of time already saying that I'm going to bring you know, A, B, C, and then also X, Y, and Z. Because now if you communicate that, I can say, oh, well, I was looking for somebody with just these skills, with just this um, mindset. But you came in and you showed me that you understand the business. You understand, and that's something too that like a lot of early career folks don't understand is that, like, especially when it comes to writing code, is writing code is just a part of it. There's a reason that we write code. There's a reason that we push changes. And that's because we need to provide value, value for who? The customer and our business, right? We need to provide value to them. Otherwise, um, we don't have a job. Something I learned at USA was that you don't really think about this early on. Uh, Well, I didn't. Some people do, but I didn't. I didn't think about this until I got to USA. Uh, As a software engineer um, and as an engineering, engineering department, you don't necessarily, not in a, a lot of times, not in a direct way, you don't make the company money right? Usually you're, you're uh, uh, like your liability
1: mm-hmm. and
0: you cost the company money, right? And so uh, you have to go into what that mindset It's like, oh, wait a minute, they're paying for me. They're paying for my salary, for my insurance, for my benefits, all this stuff, it adds up. Um, so I need to be able to communicate what I'm going to bring. I'm not just going to come in here and say, oh, I'm pretty good at this, you know, uh, that JavaScript or C++. I'm really good at that. You have to communicate the overall value that you're going to bring. Very similar to what you just talked about. I'm going to come in here and I'm going to help us deliver solutions that are customer first, right? Customer centric, ultimately helping us to grow the business. We're going to, uh, et cetera. That's something that that you have to work on. And that means that you have to do it ahead of time. Right. Right. You have to work on this pitch ahead of time. So when you get to the interview, you're not fumbling around. And, you know, uh, ultimately like going tangentially in different directions. And then ultimately you you lose your interviewer. So there's, that's kind of just the first part is everybody has an elevated pitch. Everybody has um, a value that they can provide. If you don't, you need to work on it because otherwise, why am I, why do
1: I want to hire you if you're not bringing any value? And I I would say that's true in the interview. And it's, it's true in life. Like if I could, If I could just like big picture that, I would just say, know your value, know your value. Like don't undervalue yourself, but don't oversell yourself either. Like if you oversell yourself, you tend to mismanage expectations and expectations management is like, like you mentioned software is like this or code is the smallest part of, or the small part of what we do. Like most of what we do is communicate, like try to figure out what the expectations are. Like 90% of the time I'm orienting. I'm trying to figure out like who expects what. And so like knowing your value is so important, not just at the interview, but throughout your career to know your value. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. There's um, a, a kind of a second part or a bigger part that uh, I wanted to come back to, which is if you know the value that you're trying to bring, you kind of know your direction, right? So if I use you, Randy, your direction is you're, you're going to, you want to lead an organization, Mm-hmm. Or and and we know you're all we, we know that you're capable of leading an organization because you've done it in the past. So that's that's where you want to go. If you come in with that, you're gonna easily from the get-go, very early, you're gonna say, Do our futures align? Call back to something that we talked about exactly. before exactly. is so if you have that elevated pitch, if you've already decided where you're going and you come in and you say, Hey, this is what I'm bringing, and the company says, Well, we really don't need all that, we just need you to X, right? Then you can already early on say, I don't think our futures align. And if our futures align, I don't belong here. This is not the place for me. Yep. Something, something that yeah. you're going to get really early on. And even if you're an early career engineer, you can identify this. Like, what are you looking for? Are you looking for a mentor? Are you looking to really help the company grow? Like, what are you looking for? You develop the elevator pitch early on. You can really start to identify that. And then if you identify that and you come in and you go through the interview, well, do your futures align? Yes or no. And if not, well, honestly, like if you're early career, you're probably gonna take the job anyway because the market's so tight and you're going to learn what you can. Right. But you're going to still know if your futures align or not. You can try to make the adjustments. And if the, if the company's not willing to make the adjustments to help you get where you need to go, no problem. You got some experience and you move on to the next place. Right.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's really key. Is that like, that, that future alignment, like one of my old tech leads and mentors told me, uh, know what you want to learn in your next job. And I think what what we're really talking about here is like uh, the interview, right? And so like knowing what you want to learn should influence that elevator pitch. But at its core, what we're really saying is like, know what you want out of a job and know what you bring to that job before you even start applying. And and you're right, like, I mean, the market's tough. And so some of this seems like, ah, well, what I want out of a job is a, a paycheck. And that's that's okay. Just but knowing that expectation now and clearly communicating that expectation to yourself and to the people around you helps with so many things through the interview process, through the job. Like it's okay to say that at some point it changes. We've talked about that. At some point it changes. At some point it stops being about the money and it starts being about like fulfillment and these other things. Right. So um, you gave some tips, and so I like to.
0: Here's a tip that is has worked for me many times over. Yeah, continues to work for me. And I, I want to share it. And I've shared it with some folks. And that is control the interview. Um, I go into an interview, and I want to control it. And I mean, you could say maybe it's because I'm a control freak, because I <laughs> kind of am. In certain aspects, I am a control freak. Uh, I like total control over certain things. But when I go into an interview, that's my time. Like, so s- somebody else has set it up. But, you know, okay, so when I was early doing interviews like years ago, I'd go to an interview, super nervous, um, hoping I could get the job, you know, um, hoping that they like me. And, and you get more and more comfortable with things. And you also build in your confidence of like your skills, what you bring to the table, what you can do like today, you know, you tell me, Hey, you can't build this thing. I'm like, here, hold my beer. I'm going to go do it. Right. Because that's how I feel about, even if I don't have the skills, I know that I can get there really quickly and I can figure it out. So early on, I go in interviews, you know, I'm kind of nervous, this and that. And what happens is uh, the person on the other end of the table, right? If you're sitting in a room or on the other end of the screen, they've got like these questions that laid out already that they want to ask you. And one of the worst things you can do is simply to be a passive participant in that interview process, right? So this is,
1: wait, wait, this is such, that's, that comment is such an important thing, Ram, like you're, you're, you nailed it, like, don't be a passive participant in your interview. Like I love, and I I, I want you to expand on this because I actually really love your approach to like capturing an interview. And I'm I'm really excited for you to unpack it. But like, I don't know that I've ever thought about that part of what you do um, until you said it just now. So that's uh, yeah. really great.
0: Yeah, well, because I mean, earlier on I was a passive participant. You know, somebody would ask a question and I'd barely give an answer. You know, I'd fumble through an answer. Um, but I learned over time and, and I kind of, I'm also like a people watcher. I kind of you know see like you know behaviors, and I kind of wrote another post about this talking about the psychology of engineers and how we grow and opinions are formed. And I got to a point to where I said, you know, I I wanted to be more of an active participant. Like this was my interview. This was my time. Mm -hmm. So what if somebody else has set it up for this next hour? This is my time. And 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 I get into it in an interview, and I would control it from the very get-go. I want to let to let people know that that this is who I am. This is what I bring going back to your value proposition. This is what I am, who I am. This is what I'm going to bring. This is what I care about. And -hmm. immediately Mm -hmm. if we kind of start to diverge, like, like we're not on the same page, then I know that it's not the place for me. If you're Mm -hmm. looking for somebody to come in and just be to go sit in the corner and type on the keyboard, that's the wrong person, right? Because I'm going to bring to you the things that matter to me. And I want you to know it up front. Um, So like, if we're not a culture fit, hey, I don't want to be a culture fit. I want to be a culture ad, right? I want to mm-hmm. bring the things that I care. So here's here's usually the way it works. You know, we start the interview and people say, tell me about yourself. And I'll kind of go about telling, telling them about myself. Um, I've gone away from the, you know, here's where I was born. Here's where I went to school. Here's basically like, I hate doing the linear thing anymore. I don't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. I kind of talk about, you know, some of the projects that I'm building, the things that I'm passionate about. So I don't do the non- the linear thing anymore very much like a Christopher Nolan film, non-linear. And I'll kind of Mm -hmm. jump around and and talk about uh, like where I am, how I got here, the things I care about. And every now and then, uh, so what happens is by doing this is now I can, I know that let's say we've got a 45 minute block or an hour block. Instead of letting them ask questions where they can get all their questions in, what I can do is I can focus on the questions that I know that I can talk to in great length, leaving Mm -hmm. them less time to ask the questions that I might struggle with. Mm -hmm. So this is really key. So if you're early career and you're like, I've studied DSA, I've studied like algorithms, I've studied, um, you know, this part of Java. When they get to that question, go in depth and and show your knowledge. And then if if you could always do something like this, oh man, I'm just, I'm really sorry. I went off really long. I am super excited about this. I'll do it all the time. Somebody asked me, hey, you know, uh, how do you stay up to date on stuff? I could talk forever on that. Yeah, so I'll talk about like the YouTube channels that I follow. I'll talk about the articles that I read. I talk about the articles that I write, the workshops that I'm doing, uh, those podcasts. I'll talk about all these things because these are the things that help me upskill, stay up to date, right? And so um, I want to share those things. Yeah, and and if I can take what would normally be like a two minute answer and turn it into a ten minute answer, that's a lot less time that i have to fumble around on another question that i don't know right so right. you can kind of control it you you make it very much a conversation and sometimes i'll flip it around and ask a question right in the middle because that's something really important is that if anybody's doing an interview remember this is not one sided it should not be hey you ask me all the questions and i right. simply you know spit out an answer that i've prepared ahead of time no you ask me questions guess what i might ask you a question so if you ask me like Hey, how do you stay up to date? I'm going to tell you all things. I'm going to draw an and answer, but but not drawn out in a, in an artificial way, right? In a way that says, "Hey, this is what I care about." And then I might say, you know, what do you use to to stay up to date? Because I'm curious. I'm always looking for for exactly. other resources, right? Yeah, it becomes a conversation. Um, you know, here we are. We're talking. We're conversing. I'm eating up all the time, but I want to say, I want to like get to the real reason that all this matters. Is that, and and I think, you know, we've, we've both talked about, we've both talked to folks like online and in person and, you know, people are looking for like ways to help improve their interviewing. How do they land the job? Yes. And here's what it comes down to. Like bottom line, when you're interviewing, the whole purpose is to see, do I want you on my team? Yep. Do I want to work with you? So in that hour, right. Or 30 minutes, it's, I have to convince you that we're going to work good together, that we're going to, we're not going to clash. If we clash, right. I can guarantee you it's a hard no, right? right. If I've done it before. I'm like, man, this person is real abrasive. They have two strong mm-hmm. opinions. And I've done it before too, accidentally. Like I accidentally said, hey, I don't like using this library because this and this and this. Came across very opinionated. And then I thought about it afterwards and I was like, oh, I'm too opinionated. This is what they're using. Right. And because this is what they're using, I'm not going to get the job. So it's like, whatever. Right. I just moved on. And so if you don't know, we're playing this game. The game is I've got to convince you that we're going to work well on the same team together. Otherwise, you failed the game. And the fail, failing the game means you don't get a job offer. right? Right. You don't go on to the next round. And so just really important. That's the whole reason you're there.
1: That's the whole reason the interview exists. that's so key. And so like, what I love about what you're talking about there is like the conversational nature of it, because like, like you, you know, you captured it perfectly. Like people, most interviews, I mean, at their core aren't as much as we think they are, aren't about like, oh, is this person technically proficient? It's really, do I like the work this guy does? Do I like working with this or this gal? Right? Like, do I like working with them? And do they do good work? And so like, you, you really have to, I mean, in everything you do answer those two questions, but like, there's all this human aspect of it. That's really, really important. And that's like the conversation. Can I talk to this person? Are we gonna be able to talk about, do we have similar interests? Like those things are, I mean, certainly you're not gonna get hired or fired based on those things, but they're definitely going to change the tone or tenor of an interview, right? Like what you said, it's like, they're gonna ask like, can I work with this person? And the other, like, I think at the core of also what you're saying is like, just be good at communicating. I, whenever I see a resume and they have like, I'm good at communication on their resume, like I don't really, I don't put much stock in that. But if you can get in a an interview and carry on a conversation, like that is like key to good communication. And I, I think I'll just call it that like, that's not something that, I don't know, that we tend to be great at, especially in an interview, like interviews kind of feel pretty stiff and formal. And so if you can convert that from a stiff and formal thing to where you're passively answering questions to like a let's just engage each other as humans, like that's that's a pretty strong indicator on your capability of also doing that in in the day-to-day of the job is like moving past like the bureaucratic norms and into the human norms. And like that's an important aspect of getting the job done. So yeah, I love that. And when you when you first like kind of told me about this idea of like capturing the interview. And, like, just talking about the things that you are really good at. And 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 I think this is, like, a great strategy. It, it ties very well to, like, knowing your value. If you know you can talk at length about keeping yourself updated on trends and technology and updating others, like, spend time on that because that's your value proposition. If they don't get to the DSA question and that's not your value proposition, they they kind of have to ask themselves how much that matters to them because you've already answered it for them how much it matters to you. You, What matters to you is a lot of, you know, keeping up to date, mentoring, coaching, and developing your, your team. Yeah.
0: That, I, I love that because sometimes I don't get to the, the technical question because I've eaten so much time up and I've still gotten an offer. Right. Because yeah. I was able to kind of weave in some technical stuff while we're conversing to where we get to the technical part. And they're like, you know, we're out of time. Right. And they're okay with that. Right. Because you know i captured the interview made it what i wanted it to be and it just so happened to work for them as well right mm-hmm. that that they were like oh i could i want to work with this person this person is bringing this they're going to help mentor some younger engineers and they didn't need to see me you know code up a, a solution to this thing and even if like i eat up so much time and i only have 10 minutes left on you know a coding problem which i should have had 30 minutes what I can do is I can continue to eat, eat, eat up time as I walk through my solution. Mm-hmm. Again, I ne- I'm never going to start coding right away. Never do that anymore. I'm, I'll be like, you know what, I'm going to write some pseudo code. I'm going to talk this out. Sometimes, like, I'll stub out a function. A lot of times, it's like, write a function that does this. It takes this mm-hmm. input and, you know, spits this out. I can eat up the whole time because as a seasoned engineer, you never start writing code, right? Or you shouldn't start writing code right away. Because remember, I don't care that I give you an answer like I gave you a working solution, I don't care at all. It's more about, I wanna show you that I know how to solve this problem exactly. um, and our, or how I problem solve. So like the, the great thing is, is like when you teach a lot, you, you often like over communicate. And so then that's something that I would encourage anyone to do is like when you're doing like these coding problems or even if you're just at home and you're, you're just like learning to code, talk out loud. Okay, you know this function needs to take this para- these parameters. This parameter is of type, and I'll tell people to do that all the time. And so every time I'm teaching, I do that. I say, uh, you know, mention, say it out, say what this is. Mm-hmm. I'm going to create a variable that's going to store this. This is object, and it does yada yada yada. If you talk out loud, then the interview becomes really really easy, the technical part, because mm-hmm. you're used to communicating, you're used to talking out loud. And so I'll do that all the time, and I'll say okay, I'm going to stub out a function. Not, I don't really know like the meat and potatoes of it yet, but I know it needs to take this. I know I need to return this kind of data structure at the end. So I'm going to return that. As it'll just be empty or, or, you know, null to start with. And then we'll kind of come back to it. And I can eat up so much time just discussing how I'm going to get to a solution as opposed to actually giving you a solution. Then we're at the end of this and they're like, you know, oh, you know, we ran out of time, but I like that you talk through it because that's what they care about. Right. They right. care about do you like know how to work toward a solution? I don't really care that you gave a solution. And I think the one of the things that early career folks often, and even people that have been doing this for a while, but they they haven't yet you know, turned the corner or whatever, maybe they have their approach is that we often think about, I need to give you a solution. And that's not really it. It's, I need to communicate that I know how to get to a solution, that I know how to solve a problem because um, when you're in when you're in like the tech space or whatever, it's more about breaking down problems as opposed to how quickly can we get to a solution.
1: Yeah,
0: um, and that's really and what those... matters. If I can break it down, and then I can share and I can teach. That's ultimately um, what a team cares about. The other thing that I think is absolutely important is to get yourself in the mindset that it doesn't matter what happened in the previous interview. The one that's right in front of you is the one that matters the most. So yeah. typically what happens is a recruiter calls you and you get a phone screen, right? They'll set up a phone screen and they'll right. say, Hey, this is like a 30 minute, maybe 15 to 30 minute phone screen. And we're just going to get to know you. So you've mm-hmm. got to go in prepared for that. It's a little bit different than the technical that you'll have with the team later on, but you still have to go in prepared and you have to wow the recruiter. You wow the recruiter differently than you wow the team. So that's yeah. important to keep in mind. Yeah. It is. So you go in there, you talk to the recruiter, you know, here's what I provide. But at the same time, I'm gonna ask questions about the company. It's more of just kind of like a feeler. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, if you don't just screw up really badly, you're gonna get the next uh, interview. And so when they set the next interview, you have to put everything that's happened before out of your head. So if you're, um, you had a great interview with a recruiter, You can't say, well, I had such a great interview with a recruiter. I know I'm going to get a job offer. It doesn't work like that. You have this great interview with a recruiter. That's not the person you're talking to next. Now you're talking to this other person. How do you convince that person that you're the right fit, you know, out of all these other candidates, how do you convince that person that you're the right person, you know, to make this team better? Yeah. And that like is something that a lot of folks struggle with. You know, I think we've, there's something like you know, in our in our server, we're kind of talking to folks helping discussing interviews and things like that, especially in this market. and and I think that's really key is is you've got to learn to move from this problem to the next problem. Again, you're a technologist in our in our field specifically. that first phone screen, that's just a problem. You got to get past that. Now you get past that problem. Now you got to hold another set of problems. Now you've got this technical interview maybe or the team. in your case, right? You might have like five interviews because, you know at the at the kind of like the level that you're interviewing for and so you just move on from problem to problem and you solve them as individual problems and if you can do that you can succeed